So thank you for your generosity to the Rock Church in this time. Um, I'm grateful that I have this opportunity to share part of my story of what it's been like for me during COVID. Um, I know that when my kids came home for the first time and the thoughts that they were going to be at home for the next five months and that sports were done and regular routine was done and life was going to drastically change, I found it really difficult. I actually wanted to crawl into a hole and hibernate until it was all over. And I'm sure many of you had your own challenges as well and difficulties that you have faced along the way. And it's funny because Pastor Dallas is actually talking today about the fruit of the spirit of joy. And is it possible to have joy in the midst of the challenges of COVID? And so even though I've had those difficulties, I've also been able to embrace the gift that this time has been for me personally and for my family. Um, but sometimes in our head, we almost think that it's one or the other. And so if I can just remind you of the story of Winnie the Pooh, um, you know, there's Eeyore and then there's Tigger. Eeyore is always gloomy, down in the dumps, and then Tigger is happy and excited and full of energy all the time. And finding joy isn't getting rid of Eeyore and it isn't always being like Tigger. It's something in between. But say I'm having an Eeyore day during COVID, I might be saying things like, oh, this is never gonna end. I'm never gonna have human contact again. This is so miserable. Life's never gonna go back to normal. I'm never gonna ever eat in a restaurant again or go to the gym or get to hug my friends. Oh, it's so horrible. Now, obviously, if we were all like that all the time, we wouldn't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> but thankfully, we ha don't always have our down days. Some days we have our super up days where we're like, I love this. I get to sleep in every day. I get to stay up late. I can read books. I can do whatever I want. My kids would definitely be in the Tigger category most of the time. Um, but this is awesome. I get to do Zoom meetings five times a week. I get to play Kahoot games. Don't you just love that life is on pause? And we can be on the other extreme as well. And I have been on both sides of the camp. I want to encourage you as you listen to Pastor Dallas's message on joy today that God is not asking us to squash the Eeyore side of us and he's also not asking us to be like Tigger all the time um, but that he is offering a joy in the midst of the challenges the difficulties the struggles and the ups and the joys and the gifts um, he's offering us joy in the midst of all of that as we put our eyes on Jesus and are, and are content in who he is. Thanks, Brianna, for sharing part of your story today and, and journey through these times. And I am excited to get to preach about joy today. Last week, Pastor Dwayne kicked off the, the sermon with being at the back, getting to eat some fruit, and so I thought I'd try the same trick today. We are in the Believe series, a 30-week walk through a, a topical layout of the Bible. And in this section we are talking about the fruit of the spirit we have talked about what we should think and and how we can think like jesus what do we believe we've talked about what we should do and what would jesus do and what type of actions does a follower of christ have but now in this section we're talking about who are we becoming who is jesus creating us to be and what characteristics and virtues make up the life of a follower of christ and so I just want to talk about that generally for a moment and read a passage of scripture from our joy section today that talks about us abiding in the vine. It's from John chapter 15. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. In you remain in me and I in you. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What an amazing passage of scripture that explains how our spiritual journey and relationship with Christ works. I have my beautiful bunch of grapes with me here today and... uh, They are sweet and delicious. They get to be sweet and delicious because this branch was once attached to the vine. And all the goodness and all the nutrients flowed from the vine through this branch to produce this great fruit. This could not happen if the branch was disconnected. There would be no fruit to grow. The branch must be connected. But it also must be pruned in order for a a vine and a branch to produce grapes. All the other foliage and leaves that are not part of the production process get pruned away so that all that good nourishment can go to help producing fruit. In this journey over the next number of weeks in regards to the fruit of the Spirit, we will be experiencing that. We will be encouraging you to abide and to stay connected with Jesus and to allow that channel and vessel to flow more openly and in greater capacity that you can experience his love to flow into you. There'll be some areas in your life that you will feel Holy Spirit speaking to you that prunes away what is in excess of of leaves or old branches or old ways of doing life that are stealing some of that spiritual vigor and joy. And as you cooperate with Holy Spirit and plug into Jesus and allow the old things to pass away, this spiritual fruit that we're talking about in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control will become more and more evident in your life. One of the verses near the end said, Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, And remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's how I want to kick off this message about joy is that our joy becomes complete as we remain in Jesus. I used to read this passage as kind of conditional that it said, If you keep my commands, you will have my love. But what it's saying is, is if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. 
it's not conditional. It's not if we do this, then God will love us. But what it is saying that if we do obey his commands and his ways and his patterns of love and relationship, that we are actually following after him. We are doing life his way. And if we're doing life his way, we're staying connected with him. We are actually remaining in his love because we are under his umbrella. We are staying close to his heart. And that means we will never fall away from him. We will never lose sight of his love because we are following close beside. And if we follow close beside and stay connected, our joy will mature, it will grow, and as the scripture says, it will be complete. Your fruit will be in bounty in your own heart and life. Let's look a little closer at a couple other of the passages from the joy passage and section this week. So what is joy? Webster's Dictionary describes it as this, an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune. So how does that differ than happiness? Because the same dictionary defines happiness as a state of well-being and contentment. I think that's one of the temptations in our world is to think that happiness equates with joy and joy equals happiness. But for the follower of Christ, joy sets itself in a quite a different camp than happiness. Happiness can kind of come and go. You can have a rough day, but a good supper and be in a happy mood just like that. But it's definitely an emotion that's derived often by the circumstances around us in any given moment, whether they are quite temporary circumstances or a little bit longer. But when it comes to joy, it's kind of you have it or you don't. You either get to have possessed joy to carry you through whatever's going on in your day, or you are kind of living your life without it. Joy is based in confident hope about what is both current and what is yet to come. The scripture says that Christ had joy, and we know that Jesus didn't just have one easy time here on earth. Hebrews 12:2 says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How joy and enduring the cross can go into the same scripture, I'm not quite sure, but I know that it means that joy is something quite different than happiness and is quite substantial and foundational and actually life-changing for the life of the follower of Jesus in this world that we're currently living in. I want to encourage you that joy isn't personality-based. Joy isn't just for those who were born happy. Uh, my daughter, Brooklyn, we gave her the name, middle name of Joy because we did pray that she would be a joyful um, young lady when she grew up, and she definitely is that. But for the most part, you can't just name and claim joy. You must indeed be growing in the fruit of joy that comes from Holy Spirit. You see, the reality is God is joy. God is all of these fruits that have been made up, as well as a lot of other things as well. But when we think of God, how often do we think of God enjoying us or joying and rejoicing over us? Last week, I tried to paint the picture of a God who was enamored with us and passionately loving us and willing to disgrace himself and make a fool of himself just to show his love to us. And that's what happened with Jesus on the cross. And that's what happened with the story of the prodigal son and that father running to his son. But God is also to be painted and understood as a joyous God. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 talk about how he rejoices over us with 
singing. Rick Warren says that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of your life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice and opportunity to praise God in every situation. Joy serves us as fuel for our journey. In a coronavirus world, happiness can be very fleeting. From feeling isolated and alone and stuck inside and having the feelings of happiness fade but the reality is joy is what keeps us anchored and helps keeps us secure, knowing that our end result with Jesus is not based on our temporary circumstances and amount of happiness we experience. I would say at this time of the coronavirus, for us to be t pursuing joy is of utmost importance. You say, well, why would we do that? There's people that are literally dying, people that are putting their lives on the line to work with people and to see the people's health through as well as to operate in just a whole environment of uncertainty. I think it's important because just trying to pretend to be happy or have a false sense of, of happiness or joy that's not authentic will really come across unauthentic and it can come across cheesy it can actually come across non-caring non and unloving and so we want to be people that truly know the depth of God's joy for us so that we can be filled with it and we can have that joy exude out of us in our daily conversations because joy doesn't put just paint a happy face on a bad situation joy is able to hold the reality of people's worlds being turned upside down being able to hold the pain that some people are going through, being able to hold the mourning of a difficult situation from the coronavirus to this horrendous situation that's gone on in Nova Scotia this past week with that mass murder. That, that joy allows us to hold the pain and the realities of this world while still maintaining hope and being able to connect and relate God's love to people around us. In our passages that we read through the Belief series, I think it shows us three things that joy is not. Joy is not optional. Throughout the scriptures, we see God desiring to enjoy and to rejoice with his people. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and that was a joyous thing for him. And as the journey proceeded and the Israelites began to follow God and they operated in the law of the Old Covenant... God instituted celebration so that there could be joy in the midst of their journey. And all those celebrations were, were pointing to the time when Jesus would come and he would be our ultimate joy. And we would get to rejoice with him both now as we live this life and be in relationship with him and when we are with him forever in our eternity. You see, as I said, joy is not a personality trait. It's not an optional benefit if you choose to sign up for it. The reality is that if God is in your life and you are abiding with Jesus through the power of Holy Spirit, there will be a joy that starts to grow because it is in God's nature. It's not optional. It's not individual. You see, joy didn't just make it for you. God didn't just make joy for you. He didn't just make it for between you and God, but rather he's called us to be in relationship and community with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but he's also called us to be in relationship with the larger body of Christ, our brothers and sisters and fellow believers. 
In Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes this. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until, until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was celebrating and encouraging his partners and his friends in the, in the body of Christ. And he was rejoicing knowing that the work of Jesus would carry on to completion. But it says that he had a partnership with them and that he had joy in this partnership. Me getting to talk with you, we're being partners right now as we celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're a part of the Rock Church and then you call this your home church, we partner together to serve each other, to care for each other, to build each other up, to be a solid place in this rocky world. Maybe you're a friend or a partner and you've volunteered or you've given your finances and you've definitely prayed for us. I rejoice with you and I do give thanks for you that you partner with us and that the reality of the good news of Jesus and the hope that he brings to life in the people that come to know him is a game changer, a lifesaver, and a joy giver. And the fact that we get to do this together in partnership, in team, as the body of Christ, brings joy to my heart. And I trust that as you are a part of this body, that you will experience the joy in partnership as well. So joy is not optional, it's not individual, and it's not circumstantial. The Apostle Paul wrote a, wrote a good portion of the New Testament. But he wrote the book of Philippians when he was chained up and when he talked about this joy that he had for those in partnership with the gospel. Paul went through some of the most horrible, uh, tremendous and traumatic times as a follower of Christ and as an apostle of God. Yet he was able to learn to be content and he recognized where joy came from. The book of James says this, James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, it's not circumstantial. It's not based on your job status, your marital status, your, your bank account status. It is based on your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that no matter the scenarios and circumstances of life, because we're connected with God, His joy can fill us and He can give us a, a hope. Not a fake smile, but He can give us a secure hope and joy in our heart as we follow after Him. I want to make a statement about what a joy killer might be in your life. What would try to kill this joy? We talked about the branch being connected to the vine. What things would get that connection broken? I want to talk about generally and then a specific. So generally, it's that abiding daily. If we do not abide daily, if we do not stay connected daily to Jesus Christ throughout our lives, from our uh, entertainment time to our, our, our alone private time to our family time or meal time or work time or even, yes, this isolation time, if we don't abide with him and recognize that he's wanting to be connected with us, we're allowing other stuff then to keep breaking in between Jesus and us. 
You see, there's, our world is full of lots of good stuff, lots of fun stuff. Relationships have a lot of good stuff and fun stuff. But the reality is, if we ever let any of those get in the way of what our relationship should be with Jesus, it becomes an idol. It can become sin. And so we aren't wanting to stop our, the joy that can happen in our life, but we do definitely want it to be aligning to what Jesus is inviting us to and that relationship with him first. You see, some of the good stuff in our world can take priority over our relationship with Jesus and can get in the way of our branch and his vine and that flow of spiritual nourishment and relationship and joy. Does any of this resonate with you as it has with me at different times and particularly in the distractions that we can find ourselves in during coronavirus? Do you find yourself choosing the world's news over time in the good news of Jesus Christ? Time with people, whether Zoom or in person in your own household, to, to spending any time with Jesus. The type of music that you listen to versus the type of music for the kingdom or that builds into you. The money that is spent online right now. The time worrying over the actual time praying. Time gossiping versus time reaching out and encouraging other people. The free time for you rather than just some, having some, some time to spend on other people. None of that's meant to be legalistic or condemning, but it is meant to, to make sure that we are being aware of how we are spending our time and our life and our days, that we are giving space to Jesus to be able to speak to us. That's the general concept of what can kill joy is if we get disconnected from the vine, but I want to talk about one specific that kills it. Judgment is a joy killer. Here I have a, a loony our dollar coin. And I want you to consider for a second that uh, judgment is the coin, and on one side of the coin is pride, and on the other side of the coin is condemnation and shame. Judgment is the coin, but we can find ourselves sometimes being prideful and judging ourselves better than other people and being arrogant towards somebody else's opinion or, uh, or life or what's going on in their lives the way their relationships are turning out, we can be prideful and boastful. Or sometimes we can be on the other side of the coin and we can be full of condemnation or shame. And we can be judging ourselves harshly or thinking ourselves less than we should or putting ourselves down in comparison to others. You see, judgment, whether you're judging yourself better or worse than those around you, is a joy stealer because it doesn't express the heart of God. You see, you don't have to judge yourself and compare yourself to others. You get to enjoy God's favor, his love directly towards you. But when we spend time in judgment, we are not spending time the way God has given it to us to do. We are not experiencing his love towards us, his favor towards us, his peace, but rather we are analyzing and operating out of anxiety, trying to prove that we are better or worse. And Jesus is just saying that we are, that we are his child and that we get to enjoy relationship with him. If we live in a constant state of judging ourselves or judging others, we will have the joy literally sucked out of our life because there is no joy, at least no um, lasting joy that can come from simply comparing and evaluating ourselves towards each other or even lining up ourselves to our own expectations. So what grows joy? Again, I want to speak generally and specifically. 
Generally, it is to abide in the vine, obviously. It is to be connected to that source in Jesus, that our joy is made complete as He and His love and the Holy Spirit fill us and change us. And if you want more of Jesus, then put yourself in places and situations and circumstances and states of mind, literally, where He's allowed to speak to you and flow into you and direct your life. You see, we can't make fruit happen. We can only respond to what He's already stirring and inviting us to do. It should bring great relief. It should cause us to relax in very difficult times that you can't make yourself one bit more joyful. All you can do is relax in the fact that Jesus wants you to get to know Him. And as you're with Him, He's going to let you know Himself more. And as you get to know the one that you're following, you're going to follow Him and be like Him more. So this fruit, this natural fruit of joy will start to grow and grow. You can't look at it. You can't yell at it. You can't strive it. You can't make it grow faster except to have more of that spiritual joy and nourishment coming from Jesus Christ. So what's the specific in having joy grow more? It's kind of counterintuitive perhaps or ironic, but I'm going to use the word stress. The fact is, stress actually helps our joy to develop more. You saw me with those grapes a few moments ago. I'm no vine dresser or vineyard owner, but from the little bit I know, I know that master gardeners in a vineyard are able to stress their plants in order to cause them to produce better and sweeter and more abundant fruit. I grew up on a farm, and I know when you plant peas in a big field, that you actually, when they start to grow, you drive over them and you cause them to be squashed and flattened for a time and it's called stressing the plant so that all the energy that's in the ground and in the rain and in the sun doesn't go to just producing big, beautiful pea plants, but rather it goes into producing the fruit that's in the pod. And so the reality is stress, as we've talked about and read already, is a gift from God because it strips away all that we think may be the true joy and the source of true joy. Stress strips away our temporary pleasures. It strips away our comforts. It definitely exposes the the temporary nature of happiness. The stress exposes the reality of our heart, and it allows us to see where our joy level is at with God, and is our satisfaction, and is, is our joy truly found in the fact that we have relationship with God? Is our joy truly in the fact that we get to know God, or is our our joy misplaced in the fact that we feel joy when we're receiving His blessings? Is Jesus the blessings, or is what He provide the blessings? So stress helps us and causes us to refocus. And just like all the apostles went through those great times of stress and trial, we have our own times. And this COVID-19 time is one of them. What do we want to invite Jesus into and allow him to refocus us in? Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our source. Jesus is our vine. Let us abide in him and allow his love to flow into us, to sing over us, to change our heart because we can't change it ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13 say, Dear friends, 
don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. You see, sometimes we as followers of Christ, we actually seem surprised when there's trouble or when there's trials. Jesus has clearly articulated that in this world we will have trials. This scripture here says, why are we acting as though something strange is happening? But we are to be glad because these trials make us partners with Christ in his suffering. And as we share in this suffering, we will also get to celebrate and rejoice in his glory and his joy. What is speaking to you this week? What will you allow God to say to you? At the end of, of this uh, message today, there will be some huddle questions on the screen. And again, invite you to snap a picture of them, chat online with them, text somebody about them, talk with your family, and think about them through your own personal reflections. This week in our life groups, we'll be talking about joy. If you're not part of a life group yet, please jump in and join us. Hit that uh, contact us button or life group button or call, call the office. We'd love to have a, a life group for you to be a part of. Our staff is like a life group, and we find great encouragement and joy in partnering together, sharing our lives with the elders and their wives in this, in this church and the staff and you, the congregation. I want to show you this little video of them waving at you today from our staff meeting earlier this week. We love you, we pray for you, and we want you to experience the joy of the Lord so that it would indeed be your strength. If you find any of those joy killers that we've talked about today to be evident in your life, just repent of them, give them to Jesus, and step into those new opportunities. If you are somebody that operates out of shame and condemnation and, and judging yourself, I want you to know that there is light and Jesus can bring hope into those situations, and we're going to pray about that right now. I want to encourage you that as you abide in the vine and as you experience more joy, you can never have enough. There's always people to share it with and life to, to live in joy, and so it's really something to have an appetite for and go after. Will you pray with me? And if these words express your heart, please pray along with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for my friends who are watching today. And God, I pray that you would bless and watch over them. And would you give us a renewed and fresh appetite for joy and relationship with you. That, Father, your heart is to joy over us. That we get to rejoice in relationship. That you are our fan, you are our cheerleader. And God, we want to praise you and worship you. And so, God, thank you that you've allowed us to be in relationship with you. And that you are encouraging to us. Father, for those who are struggling with condemnation and shame or uh, with judging others or even just in spending time with you and giving you that space to speak into their life, I pray for freedom today. I pray that as they repent and give that over to you, that you would just cleanse them and encourage them and meet with them as they take new strides in their relationship with you. Heavenly Father, we pray that as the body of Christ, not just the Rock Church, but in Saskatoon and Saskatchewan and indeed the body of Christ around the world, that we would be known for our joy, 
that in the midst of trial and adversity and difficult times, even when we have to mourn and grieve, there would be a deep sense of confidence in you and for the future, and we can hold on to that because we have your joy. Father, lead and guide, protect and provide, I pray this week in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. He loves you. He sees you. And he rejoices over you today.